I'm Jamie Lewis, a food and drink writer based in San Luis Obispo, California. And this is Consumed, a podcast about eaters, drinkers, makers, and thinkers across California and at its heart, the Central Coast. Thank you for listening. Consumed is sponsored by my friends at Slow Life Magazine. I remember when Slow Life first came out, it was a skinny but mighty magazine intent on sharing the stories of people who live, work, play, and give in San Luis Obispo. Today, the magazine is no longer skinny at all. It packs loads of interviews, information, inspiring stories, and my food column, which covers dining trends up and down the coast. Find Slow Life in your mailbox every other month by subscribing at slowlifemagazine.com. I recently dined at the restaurant Les Petits Canailles in Paso Robles and was genuinely delighted by each and every dish I ate. I hope I'm not a snob if I say that doesn't happen very often. There's always at least one dish that's just okay or not very memorable. Not here. The restaurant, whose name translates as The Little Rascals, is owned and operated by Chef Julian and Courtney Aceo. Julian is the son of Stefan and Beatrice Aceo, who own Laventure Winery in Paso Robles, and he spent part of his youth there before getting restless and moving back to France, where he was born. There he learned how to cook, attending culinary school, and working in a brasserie in Paris. When he returned to the U.S., he met Courtney in the kitchen of a Los Angeles restaurant, and the two have been together ever since. In Las Vegas, the Aceos climbed the ranks of the French culinary scene for 10 years before heading back to Paso Robles, opening their own version of a brasserie. In my talk with the Aceos, we discussed their childhoods in France, California, and North Carolina, the way Americans perceive French food, and the beauty of a greasy late-night snack. Here are Julienne and Courtney Aceo. Julianne and Courtney Aceo, thank you so much for coming. Thanks for thank having us. For, yeah, you just started up Les Petits Canailles about three months ago. Am I right about yeah, that? November 1st. Yeah, your third baby. Yeah, the Correct. third. Yeah. The most maintenance baby. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. And I went in, I think in December, I want to say, and it was just lovely. It was so clean. Everything was so, I mean, in terms of the food, felt really clean and um there's there's a style of uh of cuisine or of cooking that is so like you have just a few elements it's not overblown it's not overwrought and we had those leeks vinaigrette i mean mm-hmm. we could have eaten about six more orders of that they were very special awesome. that's awesome yeah i mean I, you know it's i'm really happy actually the the leeks vinaigrette are doing well in the menu cuz it was really something that I didn't know how well they would do because I feel like leeks are really underrated. Totally. And uh, people don't really eat them as a ingredient on its own. You know, it's usually like in a stew or in a, like a composed dish. And uh, in France, it's super classic, like in a brasserie, you know, it's mm-hmm. like always like leek vinaigrette, you know, it's like, uh, and so, yeah, we wanted to bring that to Paso and showcase, you know, the beautiful um, quality of a just great leek you mm-hmm. know and then their ambitious vinaigrette and some croutons it's just a simple dish but it's it's just very vibrant you know it and is vibrant so really showcasing the ingredient for what they are you know for me is important and um and it's also a great vegetarian option too right which i think it's becoming more and more important to have in a restaurant so good I'm glad yeah. you enjoyed those. yeah and my husband came with me and he's not generally a huge vegetable guy i mean it has to be pretty special for yeah. him to be <laughs> wowed by it and he was like oh yeah okay i mean you're Coming from Julian, that's kind of him as well. Because yes. if he's going to make a vegetarian dish, it's yeah, that's uh, true. it's got to be something good. Yeah, yeah. That he would want to eat, you know. Yeah, right. Um, so, Julian, you came from France, I know, but did you? Were you born there? Yeah, so I was born, and raised, and I moved to Paso at the age of eleven with my family because. Um, uh, they're looking to start a new adventure and uh, kind of they're tired of the, the French system of winemaking and the AOC and all that. And so they kind of travel the world to uh, find a new place and they uh, they fell in love with Paso. So we all moved in the summer of 98 and I was 11. So That feels like a really formative, important time to make a move like that. Yeah, so at the time I hated them for that, you know, because yeah. I didn't understand why we're, you know, leaving our friends and where we grew up. But now looking back, you know, I can't thank them enough for the opportunity that it brought to us. And, um, you know, I mean, without us moving here, we'd probably 
would have not opened a petite canaille. So mm-hmm. it's uh, didn't even know each other. Or know each yeah, other. Right. Yeah, So it brought a lot, it brought a lot to um yeah, it was great. Yeah. And you are born of a pretty special pedigree of winemakers. Um your father, obviously, Stefan Aseo in Paso. But then didn't you say your grandfather? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So my uh, my grandpa actually started making wine before my dad. And uh, he's the one who got my dad started into winemaking in uh, Saint-Emilion in France. And then uh, my uncle, my mother's uh, brother, is a winemaker in Saint-Emilion as well. Um, so, and then my brother-in-law. So, you know, it's uh, I, I actually grew up more in the wine business than the food you know but we're growing up in france i mean food is like a big part of life yeah, so i was always something around to pair those delicious wines with well sure yeah yeah so i always ate well as a kid i was always a chubby kid actually <laughs> That's, i i know I, I i laugh around but i say in order to cook good food you gotta you gotta enjoy good food you know you gotta love eating it too so so i always had a love for food at a young age and mm-hmm. and then yeah you know i uh i kind of asked myself when i was like 15, I was a rebellious teenager, and I wanted to find a way to get out of Paso because at the time it was very boring. Yeah, I remember you saying that you left pretty unhappy. Yeah. And so what, I mean, what I, I don't want to say unhappy, you know, I mean, it's not like I had a, a bad childhood, but I was just, you know, I was just, yeah, and I was I kind of... in middle school, too, it's kind of a tough... Oh, it's already just hard. For, yeah, and I think he just wanted to, from what I understand, like he was just ready to go back with his friends and... Like he'll tell you, he either went into, he wanted to go into like racing motorcycles or the culinary world. <laughs> and how are those similar? I'm curious. Well, I mean, they're both extreme, I feel like. You know? <laughs> yeah, get your adrenaline going in the middle of rush. But I felt like at a, I was better at cooking than riding motorcycles, so I, I went for the easy route, I guess. And maybe it's something you can do longer True. than riding Yeah, motorcycles. yeah, exactly. It's got a, it's got a long, longer lifespan. But uh, yeah, I'm glad... Honestly, moving back, uh, even though it was uh, it was a tough move, you know, going back uh, across sea at sixteen, uh, but I was very driven, and I just, you know, I knew that's what I wanted to do. And the first day I started culinary school, I knew it was for me. You know, I fell in love, and I fortified the um, the passion, the love I had for it, and I haven't stopped since. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Cool. Great experience. And Courtney, you said that you grew up on the East Coast or Eastern yeah. Seaboard. North Carolina. Right. Yeah. I'm more in the Piedmont, so we were about four hours from the coast. Okay. But more mountain, Appalachian Mountains, foothills. Which feels so foreign to me. Yeah. I mean, this to is so different people. from that. <laughs> I yeah. Know. I mean, how would you say it is different? Um, You know what? It's Ironically, it's so similar, Paso and Templeton, compared to where I'm from. Hmm. Um, even the landscape, the rolling hills, like it's very, uh, it's very similar. But where I'm from, it's just very, it's beautiful. Yeah. I mean, but everything's farm to table. You know, there's a lot of struggling farmers out there that are still trying to not get bought out by the big corporations. Yeah. You know, it's very similar, but. The South is a whole different ball game. Totally. Yeah, what they, did you, oh, they, still, they still have a hard time understanding my French accent sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> you what are you? Hard time to understand. But I like to tell accent. them they have a strong accent too. You know the South. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Did you? You don't seem to have much of an accent no, now. No, but I I left at like nineteen. Yeah. I was ready to see bigger things. I was just telling somebody, I always said, since I was a little girl, I was going to end up in California. And mm. my mom and dad were like, oh, okay, you know, mm. good luck with that. And like, here I am, like, it's, I really believe in what you manifest, like, you can bring to your life. Mm. And, yeah, we're here now. But yeah. it's, I love Paso for the small town. Yeah. You know, you get that small town feel, um, like Templeton, you know, the, I love everyone, is, everyone knows everybody, you know, yeah. and that's where I'm from. Everybody, everybody knows mm. who we are. You yeah. Know? How did you eat growing up? A lot of meat and potatoes. Yeah. I mean, meat and three pretty. Yeah. I, I actually, and I, I feel spoiled saying this, um, but I ate filet mignon like two or three days a week because that was like, I don't, I mean, my dad owned a butcher shop, so that's what oh, we, that's right. yeah, yeah, yeah. So I grew up eating steak like three nights a week, like very, um, meat heavy meals. Yeah. Um, because that's what our business, I mean, we had like a, basically a free grocery store. Of right. Food. So 
Yeah. Um, and, and there's a background also, doesn't your background intersect with butcher? Something, there's something about my grandpa. The, yeah. Right. His grandpa on his mother's yeah. side. And then my dad's side, that's the whole, what, what we, our family is known for the family line. Yeah. 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 And, um, yeah, it's funny cause my grandpa is, uh, they actually just came to visit from France right now. They're, they're visiting my parents. And, um, so I told him, uh, that I would love to, uh, get a whole pig and having do, uh, a demo, you know, uh, break down a whole pig for myself and the entire team, you know, in the, in the kitchen. Cause it's always neat to, uh, you know, it's this old school, all world, um, style of butchering, you know, which is very, um, specific and he's just another passionate guy. He's 87 years old, but he's still kicking strong. I'm sure breaking he's, down uh, pigs. love to do that. And he's, <laughs> he uh, yeah. so long too. He's probably like, yeah, it's like riding a bike. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Cause he's, he's done it his whole life, you know? So mm-hmm. it's, uh, so uh, for me, it was special to be able to bring that, you know, cause obviously he's not getting any younger and to be able to have him here in Paso, and to be able to break down a pig for us, you know, and then utilize all the all the cuts and do some cured meats and all that. So it's super cool. I'm looking yeah. forward to that. And I would imagine, I mean, I don't know this, having never worked in, in a major kitchen, is there a huge cost break there too if you use the whole Absolutely. Oh, yeah. yeah, and you know, on top of the actual cost break, which is important, it's also a, a beautiful craft, you know. I mean, I'm not a, a dedicated butcher, but I've... You know, I've practiced the craft of small butchery in the kitchen for many years, and it's truly something I love. Um, it's very therapeutic, therapeutic for me. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it also gives you a little more insight and respect, you know, about the animal, knowing how, you know, the anatomy of the animal and knowing the different parts. It teaches you also how to use not the the best cuts, mm-hmm. you know. And, uh, and for me, it's very important to use everything you know so when we get a whole rack or you know no a whole, you know there's no waste mm-hmm. exactly you know all the if trimmings you're take an animal's life it's you should utilize all the parts that can be used yeah i mean everything down to the hide my my family we've always used everything yeah it's so. delicious you know you make yeah. a sauce you make a broth we well, don't you have to be so you have to be creative if you're going to use so much of that yeah well obviously you need to know how to use that yeah. obviously but it's um it's also yeah very rewarding because you're you're getting a lot more out of you know a whole cut or whole piece than just you know the fillet or the mm-hmm. chop and mm-hmm. so yeah, it's great for a restaurant because you get many use out of it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I'm always big into trying to get more flavor out of everything. So, yeah. you know, using the bones and everything for it's it's really neat. Yeah. My husband and I spent some time, we quit our jobs and went to Italy for a time. Awesome. Yeah. And we were, I'm so distant from any kind of meat that I eat. I mean, I really am. I buy it in the grocery store for the most part. Um, but, uh in my fantasy life, when we went to Italy, I thought, you know, I'm just going to, I'm going to get really comfortable with <laughs> where my meat comes from. And we showed up at a goat farm in the Dolomites. And the day we arrived, they were harvesting some of the goats and oh, they wow. were shooting them in the head yeah. and, um, quite literally blood running down yeah. the path. And that was traumatizing yeah i would say like i could only take so much that was whiplash from you know buying it at food for less mm -hmm. and then going and doing that i'm kind of the same way and i always said if i had to kill my own animal like not my personal animals but Mm -hmm. maybe you know if i had to do that animals that i grew a relationship with i don't think i could do it i don't think i could eat meat and i could i don't know why but i could i can fish isn't that you know, funny? It is, but like even a, a big fish, I don't know. But I grew, <laughs> a big fish with a personality. <laughs> no, I don't know. But uh, me growing up on Sundays, we were closed. You know, in the south from the Bible Belt, nobody works on Sundays except for my dad. Mm. So after church, he would take us to do his office work, and you know, sometimes there would be animals there, and I was just mm. like. No, daddy, yeah. let me go back there and feed them. You know, like I've always, I love animals, but I, I just, I don't think I could do it if yeah. I was in charge of the whole. 
aspect. Mm-hmm. I love that movement, though. I love the movement toward being closer to the animal, <clears throat> but respecting and caring yeah. for yeah. and being grateful for the life that it's given. All of that. And I know there's a lot of detractors on that yeah. fully. But that I'm very happy about that. And I do continue to eat meat. But mm-hmm. I, it's a struggle when you get that close for a, me. Anyway. It is a struggle. I feel like... Friends back home that grow their own um, pigs and cows and goats, um, they have to have that line of, you know that you're doing this for food, you Mm -hmm. know, and you have that mentality. And I'm kind of a softy, so. Same. (laughs) I'm ruthless. (laughs) I'm looking at you as she's talking, you're like, "Mm." You know what? He (laughs) killed a turkey once, and he cried because he didn't kill it the first time he shot it. Oh. And he made it a little grave and buried it, and he felt, his mom said, he was so sensitive Yeah, I felt bad, because on top of that, it was like, it, it went against everything I believe in now, you know? Like, I killed it, like, for... I wasn't even going to eat it because it's a wild mm-hmm. turkey. It's not really great. So, yeah, and I think that was part of, like, you know, bringing me to, you know, care. And, you know, if you're going to take an animal's life, you well, use you use it, you respect it, you know. And it's, so it's – and that, for me, that's why it's important to know where, you know, my meat comes from and, you know, who we're sourcing from. Know your, know your farmers. Know your – you know, it's, it's important. Because, uh, and you taste that in the meat too, you know, when you have a, a meat that, or a cow or whatever it is that is raised in a happy environment yeah. and it's, you know, slaughtered the right way. You can totally you taste help. that in the meat. You People know? say that, that fear actually can manifest of course. In, yeah, at the no. cellular yeah, 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 level. Yeah. I mean, it makes sense, but I, it's just crazy. And you can, I've, I've been able to tell before, you know, like you can tell when it's a happy animal hmm. um, versus... It's getting kind of heavy, but I want to say, actually, I love the story of you killing the wild turkey and the fact that wow. it, that it meant something to yeah. you. It did. You know, it's not something I'm proud of, but it taught me a lesson, definitely. Mm-hmm. And yeah, now I'm I respect the animals way more. Yeah, uh, you both obviously have a, a background in hospitality. And Courtney, I'm wondering about: Did you always know you were hospitable? I mean, does it come naturally um, to you? I mean, for me, I grew up. Uh, like 13, 14, starting like bagging groceries at my dad's in the retail part of my dad's business. Um, so I was into that aspect, but I started in hospitality um, as a side job through college. Mm. I mean, and it's, it paid the bills. It was fun for me. Um, <clears throat> you know, I started as a hostess, um, server, busser, food runner. Mm. I've done it all. Bartending is kind of where I oh, ended, right. bar yeah. managing. But um, yeah, I <laughs> went to school for theater. I was going to ask you what you studied. <laughs> Wait, where did you go to school? Um, I went to a few different places. Yeah. Um, I, it took me a while. A multi-degree. I was an <laughs> indecisive person. Um, so I started in communication. She still journalism. is. <laughs> That's all right. <clears throat> Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, I went to the, actually I got a full ride to study film at the New York Film Academy in New York City. Wow. So I went there. That's when I started working more bars mm. and I loved, I wasn't, I was just 21. So, um, I did that. I did some auditioning. Uh, I moved to San Diego after school was finished because I was just, you know, I wanted to move to California. I wanted to live that California dream life. So I moved to L.A. Uh, I hated it. Mm. It was the struggle. Mm. And it just, I gave it a year. I couldn't make really solid friends. And Mm. I was there with no family, no no, nothing. I was just a girl kind of lost in L.A. and Hollywood. And um, I met him at a restaurant. Uh, was that pretty soon after you moved to L.A.? Um, I can't remember the date I moved. We No, because we the restaurant didn't last long, and he moved to Vegas. And I moved after my lease ended, and it was we were only a couple months apart. Mm-hmm. So but you were in L.A. for, what, a year? A year, exactly. I was just counting down. Yeah, for you were my, miserable. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, we met in LA. I kind of put all of the acting aside. I needed to focus on paying my rent, mm-hmm. um, bars, restaurants, fine dining. Um, that's the kind of the route that we I went, and I met Julian as a and, pastry chef. And what was that like meeting each other? Oh my gosh, this twenty-one-year-old French guy with blue eyes. I was like. <laughs> 
Oh man, <laughs> California just paid itself yes, off. Exactly. <laughs> Um, I just knew from the moment I met him, I'm a few years older, but I was like, oh, I just want to get to know that guy. And <laughs> I remember his pink shirt he was wearing and brown suit and wow. a pink shirt. And I a wish brown I could suit. say I remember yeah. which I, I could remember what she was wearing when we met. But It's all good. But uh, yeah, he was the pastry department <laughs> and... And I was hostess, food runner. You know, I was always in the kitchen. And I never worked in a really nice, fine dining restaurant. Mm-hmm. And I remember this was a place where I was, like, blown away. Like, truffles? What's a truffle? I thought that was chocolate. Yeah, right. You know, risotto. I'll never forget the chef was like, you don't know what risotto is? I was like, of course I do. <laughs> no, because I've never been exposed. I didn't grow up eating caviar and truffles and right. that kind of thing, you know? <clears throat> so, yeah. He would see me in the kitchen. I was always asking questions, always by the meat station, because they'd always slip me a little, a little something, a little something. And uh, <laughs> then he was like, "Hey, uh, would you like to try my gelato?" Not really. That's what it was. That's yeah, <laughs> I, mean, I totally scored with some. Yeah, it was uh, ice, ice cream. Creams, yeah. yeah, and that's the way to my uh, my heart is my stomach. I was like, he's cute, and he can feed me. Mm, that's handy, especially yeah. when the apocalypse comes. Yeah, <laughs> seriously. So, but pastry, I don't think of you as a pastry guy. Is no, that- because I'm not. I mean, I when I moved to LA, I just uh, I did a, a major in pastry after culinary school, and so I had some. Pastry, pastry expertise, but and um, the chef who uh, brought me to to open this restaurant needed a pastry chef, and I was 21 years old, and I say, yeah, sure, I'll do it, not knowing exactly what I was doing, but um, and so I, you know, I did a little bit of pastry, and obviously this place closed, and but it was never really my where my heart was pastry. I mean, I I had to get back into it when we opened the restaurant. Because you know I don't have a pastry chef and a chef and oh you don't no okay he does well I have someone wow. now you know who's um, one of my sous chef who who kind of taken over the the pastry program but I created the whole pastry program from scratch mm-hmm. from you know obviously being in the kitchen long enough and kind of remembering some of the basics I had learned but pastry has never been my forte just because I'm a it's wild spirit specific. I guess and yeah. it's yeah. You gotta have a plan. Super recipe. precise, yeah. you know. Mm-hmm. Too much scaling involved. Yeah. So, but I'm glad I, you know, I, I wanted to have a, a decent dessert program at the restaurant, and I didn't want to hire a pastry chef. So I say, well, I gotta get back into it, you know. And so mm-hmm. that's why we kept the, the the dessert, not just because of my limitation in pastry <laughs> skills, but because also for me, like classic French pastries and desserts are some of my favorite. And, um, and so we really wanted to keep it like good classic dessert. Um, but yeah, I'm definitely more of a savory, uh, chef than a pastry chef. Hmm. That's what I enjoy eating and I enjoy making more. Um, I was thinking today about the concept of French food, French food and the way Americans perceive it. Um, I think most Americans feel really clear on what constitutes Mexican food, Italian food, Japanese food, Thai food. But when it comes to French food, I mean, many Americans can't even name a specific dish. They might be able to say ingredients like, um, or, or specific items like brie, caviar, butter, butter, baguette, you know, basics like that. But why do you think, how, how have you seen that when you've been feeding Americans that it's kind of like a, I think Americans equate France with food, but when it comes to dishes, it's not like we're talking about, say, lasagna or yeah. enchiladas. Um, I think a lot of Americans don't mm-hmm. don't think of French food that way. I agree, and you know what? Um, I worked for a French chef, Daniel Boulud, in Vegas, and that was something that we we almost kind of you have to bring out some American side, like a burger. The French love their burgers. Oh, really? (laughs) Oh, yeah. yeah, They do. But um, there's certain things that, you know, I was talking to one of my coworkers years ago, and she was like, you know, I just, I love French food, but I never say, oh, I'm craving French food. Mm. And I said, maybe because there's not a lot of options, you know, we just aren't educated in that. Oh, you mean here there aren't a lot of options. I think that's true. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think everybody thinks it's fine dining, but I think everyone of, thinks it's fine dining. I think and of it is yeah. like tavern, brasserie kind of food. And is. that's what it exactly, you know, and I think, I mean, it's just like any culture, you know, you go to um, 
Italy and you have a taverna or Asteria, you go to, to Mexico and you have a, you know, you, you have classic style and it's the same in France with the brasseries. You know, it's just classic on his food that the, the people eat every day. Mm -hmm. So after, again, like any culture, you know, I mean, French food is, it's hard to resume French food into like one category yeah, yeah. because There's so many you go, regions yeah, yes, exactly. True. And so the food you're going to find on the coast of the Mediterranean is going to be completely different than the one you find in the center of the country or the north. So that's why I think we have also this in, this, in the U.S., this kind of cliche of French being escargot and, you know, rich, creamy dishes. Champagne. Yeah, yeah, which it can be. Sure, but sure. There's also, no one's arguing. Yeah, yeah <laughs> but there's also a lot more to it. You know, just saying like American food's barbecue. You know, yeah, 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 of course, barbecue has a big part of the, you know, the, the culture of the yeah, but barbecue America, but. from where I'm from versus barbecue from Kansas City versus yeah, huge barbecue difference. from Texas out here. and here. Yeah. Right. So I think, yeah, I mean, and French food is evolving, too. Um, so and that's what we were trying to create with Le Petit Canaille was, you know, keep the, the good classic that's been around for so many years and they're great. And then bring a nice modern twist, a local approach, you know, using local ingredients, mm -hmm. seasonal, to show people that, you know, French food can be a lot more than what they thought. Yeah. You know, you know it just occurred to me, I hadn't thought of this before, but when we're talking about Mexicans, Japanese, Thai, um, Italian, Irish, these are all cultures that came here and established as you know, sometimes on the bottom rung mm -hmm. socioeconomically. Mm -hmm. But I don't know that the French ever came and really, you know, were pressed out no. and they needed to go somewhere. So maybe that's why we don't yeah. equate it. Absolutely, with, yeah. With like a pub level food. Yeah. Maybe. Uh, yeah, I think you're right. And uh, I think, you know, I mean, there's a decent French community in the U.S. Mm. You know, it's... but. I don't think it's as large as, yeah, the Mexican, yeah. the Japanese. You know, so I don't think it has as much of an impact and also, you know, part of the culture aspect. So I think it's kind of, you know, French people coming here and uh, Americanizing French food, I think, because yeah. that's a thing, too. You go to France and there's a lot of dishes that I don't think would work very well here yeah, wouldn't you know fly, because I'm the sure. palettes are different it's just it's just different yeah. so mm -hmm. i think you also have to adapt it a little bit you also have to educate you yeah. know it's like for the for example sweetbreads yeah that's something that's not very well known i feel like but when we did as a special i mean if you've had sweetbreads cooked properly i never have oh they're delicious they're is that so right good. what can you compare it to um, is there anything like? Uh, I mean, it's really light in texture, right? Uh, Isn't yeah, it? It's, it's like creamy. Kind of creamy. Yeah. It's um. Look it's how excited specific. you are. I know. <laughs> your I am. But you know what? I grew up never eating that. Like oh. we, my mom was from the Midwest and cooked. You know, very basic. It was yeah. great. Mom. Yeah. <laughs> but um, that was generational, though. I, I think yeah. too. What was happening sure. at the time? All of. I mean, I probably ate exactly the same. Yeah, thing. yeah we yeah. ate very like we had like maybe ten recipes on rotation. Yeah. But I just loved food mm. so young, kind of like Julian. Um, and I just I wanted to learn more. I always said I would love to go back to school and go into the culinary. Mm -hmm. I love to cook. I almost came out with a cookbook online. When? Yeah, but I don't think Recently? you have to go back to school. I think you have after, the... After the baby was born, before we were going to do the restaurant, I was actually... She's a great cook. She that's, does, she that's does most kind of, of rare, actually, yeah, that you hear she that. Does, she does most of the cooking at home. <laughs> I and, do, um, I do yeah. everything. I'm, I'm Every night he super fine with that. through the fridge to see what I made for the kids, and he sometimes <laughs> he even eats the kids' meal prep for school. Yeah. <laughs> so, but he likes it, I mean. So and, what, yeah, go ahead. No, I just want to mention that it's, it's, it's interesting because when you're a professional cook or chef, you, know, you, you have a different approach on cooking than a home cook. Yeah. You know, I think we tend to overanalyze a lot of things. At least I do, I think, you know, and even at home, I got to, 
you know, make my sauce and, oh, make, and I have a hard time. Just, I'm kind of a well, and on top of that, yeah, I got a, yeah. I got a hard critic at home, but you're like, this sucks. This or sucks. I'll tell him, you know what? It doesn't suck, but I'll tell him when things are not salty or if it's too salty or mm. to suggest, I mean, I just love to cook. I mean, if I could have my dream job now, it would probably be to have my own cooking show. Like that kind of ties Which in marries. the theater yeah. and yeah, that would be my dream. So he pushed me um, after when I was pregnant. He said, you need to start saving these recipes and, you know, go with an online cookbook. And so I started. But then once the restaurant took over and we moved, that's like put in the back corner, but it's not ignored forever. Yeah. I still want to go back to it. I think that's awesome. Yeah, yeah, I love it. Yeah, and but however I, wanna... I can support that. Yeah, that's I just cool. don't want to cook in a kitchen under pressure. Yeah. That's the only. Well, difference. that's the thing. Oh, I don't blame you. <laughs> yeah, that's why they're two different worlds, yeah. you know. And I, I enjoy cooking in both environment. Obviously, on my one day off, it's hard to get myself to cook. Yeah, right. You know? I mean, I'm cooking to... tonight, but yeah, it's... he's like tonight's a tomahawk. Sweetbreads. Oh my I'm gosh! Like, really? Calm. Yeah, down. but that's that's not that's not every week, you know. And I I feel like when you it was it was last weekend too. Okay. <laughs> Did it for your family. But I, I still but think he loves it. that when you 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 cater to your guests all week long, mm. uh, you want to be catered to on your day off, and so that's how I feel, you know. Like I I want to eat he out. Wants nasty Chinese takeout. Yeah, like, that's my cheapest, my guilty kind. pleasure. I feel you on that. Lately, yeah. I have really reignited you know? a love for Cheetos. It's bizarre, yeah. but like that with a really sharp white wine, and I'm like, this there you is go. Beautiful. Wow. Sometimes you just gotta do what works, you know. And it's yeah, I always had this guilty pleasure of not always the greatest like, Chinese food, but make sure. lasagna tonight or. I just kind of want some Panda Express. No, well, no, I no. Feel that. that's <laughs> a cheap date. <laughs> wow, fake news. Yeah, fake news. that's <laughs> super <laughs> fake news. Don't listen to anything that she just said. It's all good, babe. I mean, you like what you like, and that's like a comfort food for you. You know? Yeah, no. there's no shame. At no, all. I have no shame in my game. That's for sure. No. So I haven't even really talked about Las Vegas at all, which was a 10 year mm-hmm. detour. Yeah, that was an amazing. It was like the best time of of our life. Before kids, you yeah. know, like we were, we had so much fun. All of our friends are in the industry. Mm. There's a huge um, network of French chefs. I'm sure more, more than you have here. That's yeah. Sure. yeah. 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 But it was, uh, it was a good time for us. It, it was a lot. It was a test, test on our relationship, uh, test on your own mental health because mm. you can't let your vices get to you in Vegas. You know, Jeez, like yeah. I've seen a lot of people come and go a ton of people come and go mm. that just can't they start gambling or drinking i mean it's a disneyland it's and yeah especially in your 20s it's like <laughs> forget it yeah, yeah but it was good to us you know we yeah. both excelled in the careers and i have found a love for mixology and and bartending and it's I still miss it every yeah. day. Is that what you did at Daniel Balloons? Mm-hmm. I was oh, the okay. bar manager. Okay. Mm-hmm. For some reason, I thought you were like GM or something like that. Oh, no. Okay. You were behind the bar. I did love you... being behind the bar. That's like my comfort zone. That's why it's kind of a bummer we don't have a liquor license, but we might. Someday. Yeah. I think it's coming. I mean, the yeah. way that you've talked about it. So behind the bar in Vegas at a really fine dining restaurant. Yeah. Can you think of any stories that might be a guilty pleasure for a listener to hear? Anything crazy? Okay, so I mean, <clears throat> I used to work at this bar um, for Todd English, the chef, the celebrity chef, who is a train wreck. Oh. <laughs> he was crazy. I mean, a wonderful person. <laughs> yeah, he, yeah. Uh, working there. I mean, you walk in, you can chug a beer in seven seconds, it's on the house. Oh, you mean staff or anyone? Anyone. Oh, wow. Okay. And they promote the staff. They promoted the staff. Yeah, I got kicked out because I won too many times. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Well done, you. So that was a, a thing that was crazy when I worked there. When I went to Danielle, <clears throat> to work for Danielle, it was um, in Venetian. We had amazing, um, we had an amazing staff. I was able to, I kind of got thrown into the bar manager position. So that made me grow and learn like a whole nother plethora of how a restaurant works. Mm. Um, but as far as like crazy stories, I really can't. I mean, we'd, we would have like regulars from around the world. Wow. Which is kind of cool. I would 
always meet people from everywhere, like China, mm-hmm. Ireland, Brazil. I mean, every day you would just, I loved it. Mm-hmm. I love meeting people. And I mean, it was just a great way to kind of get a piece of their culture as well. You know, they come to Vegas and they think, in their eyes, it might be their first time in the United States. And, and they this expect is the US? every, yeah, but they think everything's like that. And yeah. I'm like, it's not always this crazy. Yeah. But um, people... Or, or abundant, you know. Yeah, it's... Um, <clears throat> yeah, but nothing really stands out. Sorry. No, it's okay. But, um, if it comes to you, let me know. Yeah. I'm, I'm sure there's plenty of stories we just like... When we worked, when I used to work at Artisan, it was an after-hours club. So I would go into work at 11 at night. Oh, he wow. would get off work at like 1, bring in all his friends until mm. 4 in the morning. I would get off at 7. That sounds so Oh, it was, so it was for a while. Fun. It was after. fun, but you know that was before kids. Yeah, um, yeah, we, we got went, it out of our system. We yeah, went, everything changes uh-huh. pretty fast. But I mean, even when I was at Venetian and he was still at Caesars, we would meet at midnight, one a.m., mm-hmm. go grab a few drinks with our friends, uh, and then you could have pho or you could have Vietnamese mm-hmm. food, um, Thai sushi. Anything you wanted was open and available, and that was kind of cool. I mean, we also slept until noon the next day. I do miss that, though. You know, I think not just being able to eat late, but I think the lack of ethnic food, you know, for me, it's like it's definitely... I wish we had a little more, and I hope it's, you know, we're, we're going there slowly, but I really think, you know, it's... I mean, yeah, going being in Vegas or even in L.A. and in large cities, you know, you have such a... Chinatown a huge ethnicity, and you know. I suggest everyone who goes to Vegas to check out Chinatown. Yeah, I need to do that. I told you my parents live in in yeah. Vegas. I know, and I we will haven't give you gone. a list of places yes. to go. Yes. Yeah, there's a lot of great places. There's so many great places. Yeah, I wish here. I really, um, I love Indian food. Mm-hmm. I love Ethiopian food. I had a guest on here once who does a pop up, and she hasn't been as active lately. And that was kind of everybody's only option for Ethiopian wow. food. Um, I mean, I, I love, um, oh, I just had one that I was thinking I would just love to have here. Oh, when we went to Eastern Europe, my husband and I were there a couple of years ago and we had amazing food in Budapest. And you, I thought as we came home, we'll have to seek out, you know, maybe in Santa Barbara, Monterey or something. No. There's just not, yeah. there are no choices with that. And I would like to see that change. Too. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, it's fun, you know, to be able to eat different foods. Yeah. And try different culture because I think for me, like understanding a culture is through. It starts with food yeah. too, you know. And just even Chinese food. There's so many different regions that are completely different. Huge differences from um, and Japanese food, even Mexican or Latin yeah. American food, you know. And um, in Vegas, there was always something new opening, and it was always hot, and it was fun. I mean, you tried mm-hmm. all kinds of stuff, so that's. That's what I miss other than our friends the most about Vegas. Yeah. It's well, still so fresh, and too. And the cost yeah, yeah. of living. Oh, the cost of living. <laughs> it's a little bit It's cheaper. a little special. No state yeah. tax. Yeah. No state tax. That's no. right. Mm. But you can't have it all. I mean, you know, it's like there's no, no But our quality places. of life here yeah. and being so close to the coast yeah. and our kids and growing family. up in a great school system. It's yeah. So, and Julianne, you were with Guy Savoie. Was that for the whole time you were uh no, I would say about like seventy percent of okay. the ten. Yeah, so I I started working for uh, Rick Moonen, mm-hmm. which had RM Seafood at the Mandalay Bay, which was a a seafood driven sustainable um, restaurant. And then after I got an opportunity to go work for Joël Robuchon, mm-hmm. which is kind of like the king of chef. Yeah, he unfortunately passed away last year, but. You know, he's known in the, in the culinary world as the, the godfather, kind of. So, And that was my first approach to excellence, mm-hmm. you know, because Joël Robuchon is known for, you know, being a perfectionist. And, you know, and so it, was, it, it just kind of blew my mind of, you know, the, the attention to detail, um, the quality of ingredients, and uh, just, yeah, the, the, the reach for perfection, the quest for perfection. It was just... It was very, uh, it was a really great experience. And then I was, what, 25 at the time. You and tell her about your first, um, when you were staging. 
And the carrots they made. Yeah, so carrots. my first stars <laughs> before I got hired, yeah. yeah, they um they had me cut some carrots and it was a very specific cut. It had to be a so everything was in you centimeters. Had to measure everything. But yeah, it had to be measured. So the, the, the bottom of the carrot had to be uh one centimeter and then it had to be a four four or four point five bias. And I think I did wow. four instead of four point five or the other way around, I don't remember. <laughs> and so it took me a while to get all those carrots oh, perfectly yeah. cut. And after, I don't know, maybe like an hour, uh, I show the, the sous chef and he's like, do you measure those? I say, yeah. And he's like, that's not the right measurement. And he just threw it All of it out. away. Mm. And, and that's when over. I was like, wow, this place is crazy, but I love it. What do you, yeah, so what do you think about that? Do you like that exacting yeah, precision? I mean, it was, you know, I think after a while for me, it, it was a little extreme. But it teaches you... Uh, discipline yeah, yes like, for sure yeah you know and so and, and that's something that stuck to me even though you know i'm not i don't go that far into my my, my style of cooking and as a chef but it did teach me discipline um for a lot of things and that's something i think that i carried on and so after two and a half years of uh you know working um for him i i wanted to to venture out and um and seek something else and so i got the opportunity to work for Guy Savoie, which was a, another great chef. And um, and I just fell in love, you know, with this whole approach on things, you know, personal as a personal pers- approach, but also like a professional approach. It just, I connected a lot, you know, and it was just very fitting for me and I related a lot to it. So um, I just, yeah. Is he it, as exacting as Jean Rubichon? Is he as like no. you know the four four no. like five teddy bear? Yeah, and that's also <laughs> like they're they're yeah. two different style and you know, they're two different person. Mm. And uh, I I don't know I just couldn't I felt like I related a lot more to his approach mm-hmm. than Joel Robichon's approach, even though I respect him a lot. It sounds like you learned a ton. Mm-hmm. But Guy Savoie, really, you know, he he like. I don't know. It's hard to say, he but also, I like motivated you, and he lets you bring out like he. Uh, so at Joel Robich or at uh, Guy Savoir, they have two menus. They have like the what Guy is known for mm-hmm. and signature dishes, and then they have the innovation menu. And Julian was able to kind of flex his creativity yeah. and create his own menu that people would be coming back for mm-hmm. more and seasonally because they're like, wow, you're. This is so good, you know, and um, I think that's kind of cool, too, because Robichon is um, very, it's, mm-hmm. I feel like there's less, um, I don't know if it's less creativity I mean, that you're allowed to, to bring, yeah. but um, Joel Robichon's known for, like, specific dishes, and so mm-hmm. is Guy Savoir, but they really let Julian kind of do his own thing, and mm-hmm. he was able to motivate <clears throat> his kitchen to create yeah. you know but i think and what i learned the most from Guy Savoie was uh uh you know the the hospitality aspect of things like he's a probably the best host yeah. in the world like he's got such this charisma and every day he's at his restaurant and he opens the door for his guests and he talks to every table and like that it just blew my mind you know like his that personal approach that care for making sure every single guest that walked in through his restaurant had a good time, you know. And so it was not just about the food. It was just his whole approach on the whole hospitality and restaurant business that really, like, stuck to me and really made me want to, yeah, become a not just a chef, a, a restaurateur, you know, like, and yeah. see the whole the whole restaurant business as a whole and not just, you know, being stuck in the kitchen. And I think it's, you know... That's what I do at the restaurant now, you know. I go out to the dining room and I talk to my guests and I you know, we we do things so that, you know, we create an experience. It's not just about the and food. People and love to see him yeah. at the end of the night and they're like, Wow, that's the chef and yeah. you know, it's another touch that you don't always get to meet your chef. Well and it's funny that that's such a big deal. When I came and dined with you, I didn't see you. You had a group of people with you and I didn't want to bother you. But I did see both of you out. And in not in your chef's jacket, which made me happy. It looks like okay, you have fun in your own place. We actually had dinner there for the first time that night. Oh, was it? <laughs> well, I'm glad I didn't oh. bug you. <laughs> no, but still, we. Walked That's in. why, because I say usually when I walk out, it's in my chef. No, coat, but, but we. Um, no, you it were, was the night you your were family. enjoying yourself. Okay, yeah, good. and um, mm. but when we walked in, we knew 
like our bookkeeper was there. There was another um, restaurant owner in mm. town. And that to me says a lot. And I have talked to the staff about it. If another owner of a restaurant comes to our restaurant, it you know, we don't always get to go out to eat, but it says a lot. And yeah. I want everyone to feel like they're important. And it's a, you know, it's awesome that yeah. everyone's supporting us. We've had a lot of really good support in yeah. the community here. I'm sure you have. And so as a as a pair owning your own place, which I know is a whole other beast entirely, but what are the strengths and weaknesses that you both bring as a team? Because you really do, you we own actually, it as a team. We work better <laughs> together mm. sometimes than we do at home. I mean, yeah. I know that's kind of crazy, but when we're at work, like he's always like, oh, I'm so happy you're here. Mm -hmm. And, and, you know, I love when you're here. And it's hard for me to be there at night because of the two kids. And babysitters cost a lot of money, you know, and we're trying to get this thing started. So Fridays and Saturdays, I try to be there. And and I love it. And people love to see me too. I mean, they don't really know who I am. They Mm. think I'm the hostess, but it's all good. You know, I'm happy to see people and check on them and make them feel welcome you know this is our house and we want people to feel like this is like the community hangout and you get amazing food i think the you know she's she's a stern one she's the little more focused i'm the mama bear Mm -hmm. yeah (laughs) me i'm more like the the crazy artist and i'm in my own world uh so i think we we do well because she keeps me on track yeah and then I just do what I know how to do well in the kitchen and in the restaurant. So it's, uh, I think that's how we work well. I'm always like, put your chef jacket on if you go out there. He's like, yeah. I'm wearing the cook shirt because I'm a cook. I'm like, oh, that's <laughs> lovely philosophy. Yeah. I mean, it is. And I'm thinking about the home versus work thing. I mean, when you go to work, it's a safe place. It has to be clean and put together because it's your business. Mm-hmm. And at home, you, everything comes out. I mean, you, you have to be relaxing at home is a completely different thing from relaxing at work. So I could see where when you come home, you just let it all hang out. And sometimes that's not easy. For me, I feel like the (laughs) easiest part of me running the restaurant on what I do is when I'm working Mm -hmm. on the floor on a Friday or Saturday night. Because it's not, I don't want to say it's mindless, but I do bookkeeping and I'm constantly running numbers and paying invoices and I'm on that back end and scheduling and trying to run the front of the house that when I finally get to be there and I'm hostessing, it's kind of, it's fun for me. Yeah. It's, you know, he's always giving me little eyes from the host stand in the kitchen. <laughs> Which like, can't be a bad thing. No, but it, it's fun. A cute little flirting when we're at work. It kind of mm. brings us back to it's like when old we times. met. Yeah. <laughs> I, I tell you, it is Because different... we don't really do that at home. You never well, really well, Especially it. with the kids, you know I mean? It's, uh... <laughs> you're changing somebody's diaper. It's hard to yeah. make eyes when you're changing a yeah. diaper. It loses the magic a little bit. Yeah. yeah. It'll it'll come back at home. I'm yeah. We have a nine and a half year old and a seven year old, and it's it's changing. Things are changing, and it's great. I mean, it's moving. They're becoming more self sufficient. Mm-hmm. They play outside by themselves. We're That's in great. here. We even had a beer together this weekend with no with interruptions. Your kids? I'm just kidding. <laughs> we drank with the yeah. kids. It was yeah. great. Went really well. No, no, it's just it's it yeah. gets really good. Really I mean, sweet. this is the nice. first time, and probably what like. Well, we went to Six Test Kitchen. We had a date night not Did too you, long ago. Oh, that's fun. Did you have a good time? It was yeah. great. Yeah. Really nice. I think it's, you know, he's really do something great, um, yeah, especially cool, for the area because cool yeah. I don't think no one else is doing anything like he's doing. Mm-mm. And it's a really cool concept. Uh, space is beautiful. He's a really talented guy. Beautiful mm-hmm. plates. Yeah. It's funny oh, when right. you own a restaurant now, like I'm flipping over cups and <laughs> little saucers and I'm like, oh, where'd they get this from? And he's like, well, everything's handmade from a family friend. I'm like, darn it. Dang it. <laughs> Share me your sword. But yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a really, really cool concept. Yeah. yeah. Um, let me ask you final question. If you were, this is a happy thing. If, it, if you knew that it was going to be your last meal, what would you eat? Oof. Go for it. Honestly, I've asked him say, that he gets uh, mad. It's He's always like, no, I don't get mad, no, but for me, goes, it's a I question. Don't like to think about that, Courtney. Oh, don't because have... it's such a downer. Well, let's. <laughs> no, it's not a downer, no, but, but for me, choose. it's uh, it's so hard, you know, because really, know food is my life, and it always will be. And just to say, okay, I, I mean, I could tell you what I really, some of my favorite yeah. things to eat, sure. but to to make it like a last meal, like it's for it me, I don't. 
courses. You know, what I've said to some people is, what's the meal that is like close to your heart? Something that brings you good memories, that makes you feel complete and whole. Yeah, it would be, uh, it'd be a big meal. It'd be a feast. Nice. (laughs) I know. And uh, it'd be uh, some uh, roasted poultry, some sweet breads, a lot of wild mushroom, porcinis, chanterelles, black trumpet, morels, even though they don't grow during the same time, but that's no, my this is your fantasy. idea. Yeah. <laughs> um, Loves mushrooms. Yeah, some uh, beautiful mashed potato. Mm-hmm. Joel Robichon mashed potatoes. Yeah, some buttery potatoes. <laughs> um, and pastry. Yeah, pastry would be some... Uh, You're not going to say my... Cookies or brownies? Probably some of Corny's, yeah. I would say late night cookies and brownies. Every every weekend. Some good vanilla ice cream homemade. And then like some Some killer some killer wines and then some grimy Chinese food. (laughs) I was gonna say you gotta throw something Uh, in there. Yeah. 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 That would be yeah. That'd be ideal. That's a nice feast. (laughs) Sounds like a good one. Mine would be kind of similar. I mean for me, my grandmother, and she's getting older now, where she doesn't cook like she used to. She makes the best fried chicken. Mm-hmm. Julian can even say you've had it. Yeah, and especially with like, it's f- unbelievable because she makes a uh, ranch <laughs> from, uh, it's got to be the Hidden Valley packet. I was going to say, it's, the, it's not from scratch. Like, she uses the Hidden but Valley. She gets that the packet. Fake. So with the buttermilk and this whole, like, fried chicken tenders that she makes is so good. I would do that. With her ranch, industrial I would do ranch, some and amazing, ranch. but not from a bottle. It's no, not be from the a bottle. It's got to be from the, the packet. industrial ranch yeah, complex. Yeah, yeah. It's got that it's real. MSG mommy that you can't find when you make it your own. And then I would do some sushi. Oh yeah. And I would probably do caviar. Wow. Yeah. Oh yeah, I forgot caviar and truffle on mine too. Might as well. Yeah, throw yeah. that in there. Just on top. But um, that would be. I'm kind of simple. I mean, I'm. I like my fried chicken She's with the caviar. She's not that simple, yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, but it's uh, more, like, meaningful. Like, my grandmother now, very rarely when we come home, she'll say, oh, do you want me to make fried chicken? And we're mm. always like, no, you don't have to. It's like, oh, honey, I will. And we're like, yes. <laughs> so that's... the cousins. And she always says, Shh, no, we're not going to invite other because it's just you guys and then i feel like oh that's special it is it is good special. fried chicken though. she's so and you know what i want her to teach me you know like it's um i feel like there's just some things grandmas do that you can learn the recipe and it'll never be the same for sure whether it's like the oil and the pot she uses or how she fries it or the or difference the, of you know half a minute on yeah. it is something grandmas are the best but i mean, I mean they, and her standing in there frying that chicken is like and they don't need true. recipe. They just like have it all in their head. It's crazy. Yeah. Well, you get to do that when you have your own show. So. I know. Yeah. Thank you so much for coming. Thank up. you for having us. Thank you so much. This was fun. Thank you so much for listening to Consumed. It is a labor of love, and I appreciate anyone willing to give me their ears for an hour. Consumed is edited by Chris Lambert. If you have ideas for guests I should interview on Consumed, please visit the contact page at letsgetconsumed.com and be sure to sign up for the Consumed newsletter. Until next time, this is Jamie Lewis. Thanks for getting consumed with me. Consumed.